This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and co-hosting today will be Mike Gregg. This is another Q&A with Mike, and in this episode, we'll be once again discussing your questions submitted to the Cottage Talk Facebook page. On top of that, I also have topics that I will be giving to Mike as well to discuss. We have much to talk about in this episode. Before I do anything, I always have to welcome back Mr. Gregg. Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, hi, Russ. Yeah, doing well. Um, looking forward to a new season and uh, yeah, a little bit refreshed uh, after a couple of weeks break since the World Cup, but uh, we've all been busy following all the transfer moves that the club have made and uh, just waiting for it all to kick off on Saturday. Absolutely. I, I cannot wait, Mike. And uh, let's start with some questions. We have about eight questions from the phone supporters. That will be the second part of our discussion. But let's start here talking about my questions for you. And first has to do with the uh, friendly on Saturday against Celta Vigo. And uh, it's very interesting because for me, I know it is this type of situation where it's kind of a dress rehearsal, I guess you could say. So um, I think there's a good amount to take out of it, but I want your take. You were there. So just share with me your thoughts on the friendly and what you got out of it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was, a, it was a decent game as a preseason friendly. And the last one before the... Uh, the league kicks off uh, is always an indicator of where the manager's going. I had a look back to last year when we lost 3-0, uh, I think it was to Wolfsburg. And, um, I remember that. Eight of the, yeah, eight of the starting lineup started the league game. It would have probably been nine if Button, um, if uh, Bettinelli hadn't been injured. But uh, So you're going to expect, looking at the, uh, the 11 who started, you know, the vast majority of them will be in the team on Saturday. Obviously, we've brought in Chambers as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, Mitch Vich you know, got his goal early. Kamara scored as well. 
I thought attacking wise the whole game we made um, you know some good chances and uh, I thought Shula looked looked decent Kamara as Kamara you know not quite sure what he's going to do um, I thought Kearney was quiet um, and Jean Michel Serry he looked like he's a you know a really good player obviously more to come from him um, so I thought going forward we looked fine it, but it was. Uh, you know, in defence where we were a bit shaky. Sure, uh, absolutely. Two goals, two goals from two crosses. Um, you, of course, immediately think, uh, well, that's going to be centre-backs. That's what we need. But actually, you know, if you look at the second goal, the free kick, uh, the marking is horrendous. Oh, it's horrible. Um, so, and that's with, that's with everyone back. And if you actually freeze it when he headers the ball, you know, Mitrovic, Ream and... Uh, and um, the new uh, new guy, Marchand, as well, they're not marking anyone. <laughs> so, it, you know, McDonald let the guy go, scored. Yes. So um, it's not just about centre-backs. It's sure. about working as a team and, uh, you know, defending. Um, I'm not sure if there's a question later about uh, Stuart Gray leaving, but I know he worked on a lot of the set pieces <laughs> defensively. And uh, I hope that's we're not going to regret you know him being um, him him leaving the club, but uh, you know so there was work there. But you know none of it was a real shock. We knew yep. we needed a, another centre back. We bought bought one who's injured and he's out for a little while. But um, you know once he's fit, potentially there was a World Cup player there for England. And uh, you know so it wasn't all doom and gloom looking at it. And in the end, Celta Vigo are a decent La Liga side. They've got some good players. Um, one of which apparently we bid for today or yesterday. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a good run out. And uh, as the game progressed, it, it got a bit slower. I mean, both halves had a drinks break. It was a very hot day. Yep. But, there was, you know, there were still pluses to take from the game. Um, so overall, I was quite satisfied with, with the result and, and the, the performances. But a lot of work still to do, Absolutely. both on the pitch and off it. Absolutely, Mike. I couldn't agree with you more because it's not the finished product because obviously we have players coming. We've now added Chambers. I, again, this is just me maybe being optimistic. I expect hopefully two to three more players that are going to help form out a, a great deal, and we'll see if that happens. But it's funny. You read my mind. There is not a question about Stuart Gray, but I'm, let's go back and let's talk about that because when I saw these two goals – Come in, Mike. That was the first thing that crossed my mind. We don't have Stuart Gray. How much of an effect did he have on form in his time? I guess we, we really don't know. Now Scott Parker is there, so hopefully this is something that the team can work at. And then, you know, again, in a very weird way, maybe it's a good thing that, that this was exposed because hopefully they've been working on it a great deal this week. So I want your thoughts about this because what was going through your mind when you saw that Stuart Gray left? Were, were you thinking like myself that this could be something that we might have to watch a little bit? I was really surprised uh, both when Parker came back, uh, but then also when Stuart was allowed to leave um, or his contract ended and we didn't um, right. continue it. Um, you know, it's difficult to tell. From the outside as a fan, Watching what he did uh, pre-game and during the games, it looks like he was involved uh, in the sort of set-piece side defensively. He was always working with the back four in the pre-match warm-up. So, um, you know, 
from what I've heard, he's very disappointed to have left, and you would have thought uh, it would have been good to keep him on. But you know, yeah. just as you have to freshen up a the actual playing playing squad, maybe sometimes it's a good idea to freshen up the uh, the uh, coaching staff. side as well. So you know, Scott will come in. He here have some new ideas and and, and ways to do things. And Jukanovic and uh, his coaches, you know, can take some some you know good ideas from him because he knows the Premier League doesn't he and, absolutely uh, so it's disappointing you, you you don't like to see uh, staff members leave but just as players leave you know these things it's a continuous cycle and uh, but I hope I hope the second goal last week is not a foreshadow of what we're going to oh. see <laughs> during the season and, totally and certainly the acquisition the acquisition of the the two defenders in the last week is going to make a difference in the long run for sure. Absolutely. And uh, it's funny, we'll be talking about some of these players uh, when we start talking about, about the transfer window, because I'm going to be talking about to you in just a second there, Mike. But uh, very good point by you, bringing Chambers in and Mawson, obviously, but he's apparently going to be out for a bit. Hopefully it's uh, sooner than later, but it looks like it earliest. It looks like September, which is disappointing. But once everything gets settled down, the two of them should make a difference uh, defensively, and that should help a great deal. We're going to talk about this, uh, you know, because I, I do have a question about left back for you a little bit later, and I'm there with the person who's going to ask you the question because I think Fulham desperately need a left back. But before we talk about your thoughts on the transfer window overall, Mike, let's talk about Slavisa's presser. Now, he's been very quiet, very, very quiet up until this point. What are your thoughts about what he shared in his presser? Well, I think Fulham maybe deliberately kept him out of the country on various uh, pre-season trips so that he didn't speak to the press. Um, he answered the questions that, that were put to him, if you read the full transcripts, and uh, there was nothing controversial there. The manager no. wanted more players. Um, he was certainly specific about you know, certain positions, but it, it wasn't like his outbursts in the last couple of seasons, I didn't think. And... Uh, uh, it's very difficult to be critical of the um, transfer policy of the management side of the club. You know, I mean, we'll talk about more of the players, I'm sure, who yep. have come in. But uh, he can't turn around and say we haven't spent any money because we certainly have. But, uh, yeah, we're still still a, a player or two short. And uh, But I will always go back to the, the sort of saying a manager will will want and take as many players as he can possibly have. <laughs> and be really greedy. Um, but in reality, you know, our squad, irrespective of whether you rate certain players or not, is is at the early 20s mark, 22, 23. And, um, you know, a club our size, we have to be realistic. And if you're also going to want to push younger players on, like Torre, maybe, um, you can't, you know, cold shoulder them and, and just leave them in. We, you know, a big thing about Fulham is we're offering a progression of youngsters. And yes, Session on uh, has done well to get in the team, but he's exceptional. Uh, Bettinelli's, you know, a younger one as well. But, you know, then you start looking at other positions and, and where are they all coming from? So, uh, you know, you, you still need to give those players hope. So you can't, you, you can't have a closed shop on that. So as much as managers and some fans want to squad a 30 um, I can only see maybe another one or two players coming in unless we see two or three leave in the next, uh, what, 
26 hours or so. Okay, excellent there, Mike. And uh, let me just share my thoughts real quick about the uh, presser is that I'm glad that you said this. Nothing was shocking in there. And in some ways, I thought it was actually kind of helpful because he backed up some of the needs that Fulham still have out there when he talked about the positions and talked about backing up certain players like McDonald and Mitrovic. I agree with him. So it was actually kind of nice to actually see a transcript of that and knowing that my thoughts are similar to Slavisa's. And But I didn't see anything shocking there, not like some other presses we've seen before. I just think that, like you said, Mike, I think a manager will always just want more and more, you know, and uh, that's just the way it is. You know, you want the most uh, players you can get and the best players you can get. But uh, I didn't see anything to read too much into it, except that I think he just told us what he feels the club's need still, and uh, hopefully they will uh, take care of that. All right, Mike, let's now go to just your overall view of the summer transfer window. Please feel free to talk about some players that you're really high on here, and then maybe after you've gone through the give it a rating from 1 to 10 so far because it's not shut yet. We are recording this on Wednesday. We still have basically a day to go, but give it a rating from 1 to 10 at the very end. Um, well, I mean, if we look at who we signed, you know, I mean, uh, Jean-Michel Seri is uh, – it's highly rated. Um, I was told that the club had had a couple of phone calls from uh, top Premier League sides. You know, they all talked to each other saying, you know, you, you did really well there to get him. That blindsided everyone. Um, it's good to see Mitrovic come back eventually. Uh, I wasn't panicking too much. I mean, if there's one player Jukanovic would have wanted to come back, then it would have been him, you know, following the World Cup and then a couple of weeks off. And Ashley being Ashley, looking to squeeze every penny out he could. Um, I knew that one would get over the line. Uh, the goalkeeper one was an interesting one. Um, as soon as Button went, it was clear we were going to bring someone in. Uh, don't know much about Fabry. Seen him, obviously, in the, the friendlies. Um, shorter than I'd probably hope. But uh, very quick off his line, as he showed the other day. Um, there's still a lot of love for Bettinelli and uh, I know many fans would still prefer to see him in goal but uh, you know we haven't spent five million plus on a goalkeeper to see him uh, be a reserve so um, I think uh, you know we're going to have to get used to him being our number one but uh, you could tell that the Turkish fans are very upset that he'd left. Uh, Marchand I think is a little bit of a make weight in the transfer from Nice you know, but he looks useful. Player who can play in a couple of positions. Um, I was very happy with Andre Schuler. I mean, that's, yes. a, I, I think, I think that's a real coup. I know he's had a difficult time in Germany, um, but he ripped us apart when he scored a hat trick a few years ago. And uh, you know, he's still only 27. Can play left or right side, or even as a, you know, number nine, centre forward type player. So, uh, and apparently we got him really cheap on the loan you know I mean we're paying him wages but uh, you know Dortmund just wanted to move him on Chambers is a really interesting signing again you know a few mixed views on him whether he's good or not good but he's young yep. you know and with him and Mawson you know you've got two players who were under 21 England players last year in the tournament That's right. so uh, they know they know each other yep. um, and Mawson of course is uh, Highly rated, and if he hadn't 
you know, he's almost close to going to the World Cup. So, uh, you know, we've got a very young, you know, even if Sessional played at left back, there's a good chance that, you know, you've got a back four if Christie was playing of completely, you know, English English players or British players, I'd say. Right. So it's uh, it's been a really interesting one. You know, we've seen a couple of players go out on loan as well. And uh, we've still got room for certainly a left back, be that we'd like to see Matty Target back. But uh, yes. the, question, the question mark there is, will they let him go and how much are we going to spend? I mean, I, I will be honest. I think if it was me and it's 14 million, I'll, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of money, but we're running out of time. Sure. Um, and, but yeah, I'd give it, I, I tweeted something yesterday. It's very hard to fault the transfer. So I, I'd have to give it nine out of 10. I mean, that's excellent. We spent 70 million plus and, you know, you reminded me before the show started that I uh, did a show at the after we got promoted, and I said we we need to spend somewhere in the region of sixty million plus, and yeah, and that's what we've gone and done. And uh, but this is only to give us a, a number of players and a squad, which is, you know, if you look at transfer market and look at the values of squads, we're we're still in the sort of lower mid-table, so, you know, about 13th, 14th on value. I know transfer markets, values range from player to player, but as a, you know, something to compare everyone, it's pretty, yeah, Yeah. it's a good gauge, yeah, exactly. So, uh, that's showing, you know, because we're playing catch-up with all these other teams. So, yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah, one more left-back. Get a left-back, I'd be happy. There are, you know, again, you know, I was just saying, wasn't I? You know, you can be greedy and say you want a striker and another defensive midfielder. I think one of the interesting things is we've got players who can play in a number of positions. So, uh, yes, you know, there's I, versatility I there. Yeah, and that's a modern footballer, isn't it, Russ? You know, I yes. mean, we're, you know, somebody of my age, 50 years old, who's grown up watching players and they were a right back they're a left back they're a centre midfielder but that just isn't the way now I mean Chambers can play right back centre back defensive midfielder Marshan centre back left back you know Sessionon left back left wing and some people right. even see him as a you know as a almost a, a second striker so uh, lots of options lots of options with a, a tight squad and we've seen over the last couple of years that once uh, Jokanovic finds his his team if you like his his group of players he doesn't deviate so nice to have a big squad but in fact i think he in some ways prefers to work with quite a close unit that's a good point mike because then once he gets to his team it's basically like you said that unit uh but before we move on and we're going to talk about what you're hoping will happen before the window shuts you actually just said a name of player that I hope comes back in. But I, I want to go back and just get your thoughts on Mawson. They have spent a good amount of money on him. And I had read and I knew in advance that he was basically coming in injured, re- recovering from an injury. How concerned were you at the time when they made the deal? I know hopefully he'll be ready, let's just say September, which would be great. But was that a concern for you or, or did you just want to get Mawson in? I think we'd all prefer a player who's available from day one, but you know sometimes, you know especially with the window closing when it when it does, they wouldn't have spent this kind of money without having a stringent medical and 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 look at his knee. And I think sometimes it is a bit of a gamble, but uh, 
you know, sometimes you've got to do that to acquire a player. And yes, he's going to miss, what, three or four games. Yep. Um, key games, because you want to start well, absolutely. But uh, the fact is, you know, he will play a massive part for us probably in the coming season. And, uh, you know, the quicker he can get fit and integrated into everything, then then the better. It's, so, yeah, disappointing. But, you know, 15 million for a, a British centre-back, a young British centre-back, Yep. Um, is uh, is a good deal. It is a good deal, Mike. And uh, it's just a thought that came across my mind about the injury. But if you have the long-term view, it should pay off. And uh, hopefully it will sooner than later. All right, Mike, uh, let's now talk about where you see the needs before the window shuts. I'll just mention mine. And then I, I have a feeling we'll be closer. We've already talked about left back, and I certainly want the club to try to get Matt Target, but if they do not get Matt Target, they need a left back badly. That to me is the number one priority along with defensive midfielder as a backup and then a backup to Mitro as well. Those are the three type of uh, players I'm looking at right now, Mike. How about you before the window shuts? Yeah, well, I was led to believe that, you know, we'd be looking at eight players. So we're, we've brought in seven. Um, the left back is the, is the key one. Um, so, uh, you know, certainly I would expect one to come in. I would like another midfielder, possibly, um, maybe someone who can play wide if required. So, okay. you know, a wider, a wider midfielder. I, people are talking about, you know, defensive midfielder, you know, but you have to be honest, you know, you've got Chambers, you've got McDonald, um, you've got Johansson who could play there. Even Syria has played there as well. Did. Um, it, it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to get someone who, who basically is probably going to be a reserve. Um, but probably another utility midfielder would be useful. Okay. Striker-wise, I think someone's got to leave. So when you look at it, forget, I mentioned earlier, forget whether you rate these players or not. Numbers-wise... You know, you've got you've got Schurler, you've got Mitrovic, you've got Font, you've got Kamara, you've got Aiti, you've got Cabano. Yep. You know, you've got seven seven players or eight players competing for those front three positions. Yes, Mitrovic is that old-fashioned centre-forward, if you like, who holds the ball up, a la Chris Martin, our mate. And we don't have anyone else in that build uh, or that type. So... If we were to bring someone in, I suspect it would be someone a lot older, maybe who's willing to sit on the bench. Uh, I was having a discussion earlier. Somebody said sort of Peter Crouch type person. And, and that's what you're looking for. Probably someone towards the end of their career who can come on for the last 10, 15 minutes. But uh, because let's be honest, Mitrovic, <laughs> he's, he's going to start every game if fit. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he might he might get subbed on seventy five or eighty minutes, but um, you know, so anyone who comes in, they're not going to get much match time if they you know if the idea is just to be his backup. So it's going to sure. be a very hard position to to fill. But I think, you know, let's say IET left or Cabano left, then yes, there would be room to bring another uh, player in in the forward positions. Okay, excellent. Then, so man. yeah, okay. in order left left back, midfielder, and then striker. Okay. Um there with you on on left back being number one that to me is uh, a must there my friend all right let's now talk about the spending this summer and uh, 
if you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, you see the concerns from some foam supporters that we're spending too much money, Mike. So what is your view on the spending? And also, why do you think the cons took this approach? Yes, I'm not sure I agree with you there. I don't see many people worried about how much we're spending, but I'm probably more surprised at how much we're spending. Um, If you look back over the last few years, the teams that have gone up, if you take inflation, that's football inflation into account, (laughs) then the target really for this year, we had to spend a minimum of 45 million, 50 million quid on six or seven players. I think every Fulham fan has been shocked at the inflation, the actual amount you've got to pay for players. I mean, it's almost like the starting price is 10 million um, yeah. for a box and, you know, box standard player from the Premier League uh, as soon as you pick up the phone. So that's been a bit of an education. Four years out, um, of the Premier League, and if you haven't really been following it, that's a real shock. I mean, we've you know we've signed three players and who are all more expensive than any of any player we've bought before, and it's hardly caused a ripple, has it? So, um, so yeah, the club have uh, the club have spent probably ten million more than I expected, um, with potentially more to come. But actually, when you read more into what happens to a team that gets promoted, um, you realise what Fulham are doing. So if you look at Cardiff, they've come up and they spent 30 million or 40 million on on good players, but I think we all agree they're good championship players. Absolutely, mate. Different way they're doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So the view there really could be that, you know, Cardiff aren't betting the farm, as you say, in America. And... um, they're looking at if they stay up, great. If they go back down, they have a very good squ- squad of championship promotion-winning players and would give it another go, similar to what Burnley did a few years ago. So they come back stronger in two years. you know. Whereas we've taken the view, no, we need to spend now. Because when a team, when a team gets promoted, um, our wages for last year would have been somewhere around about the £30 million. A team that's promoted, the maximum wages you can spend is 81 million this year. So for us to go from 30 to 81 million is almost impossible. The difference, though, is if you we go up and we stay up, we can only then increase your wages by 7 million. So if we'd gone up, done it on the cheap, maybe had a wage bill of 50 million, then next season we could only go to 57. So you're actually restricting yourself if you don't spend big now. It's very interesting. Yeah, and also there's the losses allowed. So we can talk about FFP and all that kind of stuff. Different rules for the championship, different rules for the Premier League, different rules for Europe. But basically we can lose 115 million quid (laughs) over three years. Wow. So it's all very complicated, but there are reasons. So what they're doing is they're buying now Next year, they might have to slow that down if we stay up. Um, but there will still be room for us to, um, you know, bring players in and, and increase it. That could be because we sell one of our assets, Correct. you know, without naming any names. So um, <laughs> you know, we're sort of front-loading everything yep. for the next the next year or two. And um, if, we, if it all goes pear-shaped, we go down, then we've got players on 
quite very high wages, which we would then look to sell. You know, but they've all been signed on long contracts, which is a way of spreading spreading the transfer fee and wages, so that so you know we don't get ourselves in too much trouble. But it's obvious that you know the main thing is stay up this year, and the route they're taking is spend big to do that. That's the way I'm looking at it, Mike, and, and uh, it's interesting. I'm glad that you talked about, well, what if we get relegated because I've had a few people come to me and says that we're in deep trouble, but you just mentioned a way that they can obviously get out of that trouble. We have some assets that we could sell, and, and I think they could uh, withstand that if we do. But what's interesting about all this, Mike, and it's the approach of the cons, and I saw this with the Jacksonville Jaguars, is that they're not afraid to spend money, certainly not afraid to try to do it now. And that's what the Jaguars had done in recent times. They were spending so much money on free agent players, big money, and now it's uh, paying off. And uh, I think that the cons have just taken the approach, Mike, that they're not even thinking about relegation. Obviously, it's in the back of their minds, but they are looking to compete. And this is a step in the in that direction by spending big now. But, again, very interesting point that I was not aware of about the wage bill because now that kind of all makes sense Mike that if they spend big now that obviously say next season it it allows them to say you know with the wage bill it can increase by a certain number if they spend big now does that make sense yeah I mean it is quite complicated there's other things that come into factors is the transfer dealings so we've seen a couple of as we talk now there's been a couple of comments about Spurs coming in for session on last minute um, and and all that had takes an effect as well but when you look at the wage bills for all the Premier League clubs there, there is a rule of thumb that you know the, the league table reflects a, a team's wage bill where, you know and you have the odds and sods and you know where Burnley in seventh and you know other teams nearly get relegated but overall when you look at it long term the more wages you pay the better players you have, the higher in the league you, you, you are at. And if you take West Ham as an example, mid-table team, aspirations of doing well, spend a lot of money, their wage bill is about £100 million, pounds, roughly, um, you, know, you know, give or take five, maybe. And they're a mid-table team. So that's where we've got to go from. We, we've got to go from a team that had a £30 million wage bill right. to team this year, we're probably our wage bill will somewhere be in the 65 million mark, I guess, maybe double it or, you know, 60. And we've got to build that up over the next two or three years. So the main thing is you stay up in the first year. The second year, the bigger TV money kicks in. That should allow you to invest more. And it's about improving the team to maybe three or four years down the line where you can safely say, you know, that's where we are. We are a mid-table team. Somebody told me, actually, so there was an interesting uh, thing last week. If you look back at the league table 10 years ago, 10 of the teams are still in the Premier League. Now, that doesn't, you know, so in a, in a decade, the league has only changed half a, half a table, if you like. Right. So there is a hard four teams there who continually are in the Premier League or go up, go down, you know, that type of thing. And we need to be one of those. We were one sure. of those for a de- we were. decade. So we oh, need to a... get back. It's going to take a couple of years for us to get to, into that sure. position. But uh, that, that's the rule of thumb is we need to uh, 
get our wage bill somewhere in the middle of the, the table. Listen, Mike, I'm glad that you uh, shared that because that was not something that I was aware of. And uh, so now you're getting me thinking kind of uh, your theory of why they're doing what they're doing. And it does actually make sense. And uh, it is a, a process, I guess, you know, I, I agree with your theory over a course of, say, three to four years to be where you want to be and be one of those 10, like you said, that, that are going to be there. You know the six are going to be there, and then there are going to be a few others like in Everton that are going to be able to stick. And we st- stuck for a very long time, and uh, I think that's their long-term plan, like you said, Mike, is to be in the Premier League for a very long time. All right, let's move on. Let's now go to the questions for you, and we have some interesting ones. This was uh, from Facebook, and I've got about eight, so, Mike, let's go through them. Let's start with our friend Roger Lewis in Spain. How happy is Mike with our transfer window so far? And was it right to buy Mawson, who will not be match fit for several weeks? Of course, I've already brought that up to you, Mike, so this is a little bit redundant here. So, Roger, I'm sorry I already mentioned this to Mike, but feel free, Mike, to talk about this again. Um, yeah, like I say, I'm you know, very happy with what we've done, and uh, they've exceeded my expectations. I was expecting us to go a little bit down the, the Cardiff route, uh, and and by a certain level of player, but, uh, you know, we've exceeded that and gone completely different. So even some of the players we were talking about at the end of the, you know, the Wembley game, you know, the Bristol City left back, all that type of stuff. Yep. We've gone to a different level now. Absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. And you told me, and you've said this to me several times, because, listen, fans fall in love with uh, certain players. Uh, you know, they they remember, you know, obviously the championship and uh, winning the uh, playoff final, I was there. And you look at all these players and you're thinking, you know, obviously you want to give them a chance in the Premier League. But this goes back to what you've said to me over and over again, that we have to turn over the team a bit because uh, you have to upgrade. It's a different level. You have to upgrade players that were very good in the championship might not be up to Premier League level each and every match. So, that is also part of this, Mike. Wouldn't you agree as, as part of the spending is that they needed to upgrade? Uh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've made the point a few times on Twitter and I think on the show as well when we went from the bottom division, you know, to the Premier League and uh, we did it in the space of a few years. But, you know, we, we saw it almost every year, you know, our heroes in the, in the uh, bottom division with Adams, you know, uh, Carpenter and all that. When we moved up to the next division, we're hoping they're going to be part of it. But then another level of player came in. Right. And then they became the heroes. And then we went up to the next division and <laughs> they fell by the, the side. And and then suddenly, you know, we get promoted under Tignal and we're spending 30 million in one month and, um, you know, buying an absolutely different quality of player. So, Things evolve, but, you know, sometimes you don't know who's going to do well. Some players you expect, um, Rufus Breffitt, for example, yep. none of us expected him to turn into the kind of footballer he was, and he did. Um, so when people talk about, you know, Johansson's not going to be able to do it or McDonald isn't going to be able to do it, um, but Session on Will, you know, we just don't know. We just don't know. But you absolutely, a team can't stand still. It, yeah. it needs to change and let's be honest when we have played the big sides in the recent years whether he's taken each game seriously or not you know we've been wanting so uh 
you know, Tottenham absolutely embarrassed us. And Southampton that was the wake-up call for me, Mike, that Tottenham Hotspur match. Yeah, I mean, that, to be honest, they're part of that different league as well. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at the Premiership <laughs> as a... a there's, a, there's six teams and then there's 14 teams. Yes. That's the I way understand. I'm looking at it. I agree with you on that. <laughs> so they are in the, the extra different level. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you don't want to see your heroes yeah, fall by the wayside if they're good enough. But they will. They will. It's just, a, it's just the way that football and any sport that moves up levels, uh, you'll see all the time. Okay. Excellent there, Mike. All right. It's funny because this question a little bit goes to that. Nick Bromenke. Do you feel that both Reem, McDonald, and Christie are capable of making the step up to the Premier League? A lot of fans seem split. Personally, I think they can, but would be interested in your take. So now we're going into specific players here, Mike. Reem, McDonald, and Christie. Can they all make the step up here? Okay, I mean, Reem has played in the Premier League. And, and he has. McDonald, I think. Not, not a huge amount of games, but um, I think Reem with his close control and um, you know the way he passes ball I think he can do well but question mark I have over him maybe is just a little bit lacking in pace That's but I my think his position is sure Mike go ahead yeah positional wise you know he's improved immensely over the last two years so uh, I think he can certainly do a decent job I, I don't see any problem with that uh, I do I did say something quite controversial on Twitter the other day which uh, couple of people picked me up on i'm not convinced fulham fans are totally in love with ream um i think some of them are reluctantly yeah he did really well for us he was great and he was player of the season but they can't get over the way he was when he first joined yeah. and they're expecting him to fail at some stage so i'm not saying they want him to but i think they're expecting him they still to. have that fear uh, yeah and it's a bit disappointing given that you know what he did last year, but um, he's going to have competition, so that's going to well, keep him on his toes. Now, so, yes. Yeah, so that's good. McDonald, I think um, he certainly, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, McDonald. Certainly, pace is an issue with him, but he makes space. Now, the question is against the really, really good players, will he be able to do uh, what he did last year? And um, He's the one for me I'm going to be watching the most. You know, I think we know pretty early on whether he's, uh, yep. he's up to it or not. But um, I was pleased to see him get his extension um, thoroughly deserved. And, uh, you know, he's the the non-named captain, isn't he, really? So, uh, <laughs> right. you know, you've got to hope. He's a linchpin. He's, he's made oh, a tip I, the last two years. I'm a huge so, fan of Kevin uh, McDonald, Mike. I, I understand why you're saying this. Go ahead. So, yeah, you know, again, I think another thing is Fulham, it's a team game, a team ethic, the way they play. So uh, as long as you buy into it and do as you do as you kind of each wants, then, uh, you know, we, we should be OK. And Christie, people are just comparing him with Fredericks. That's it. It's Fredericks this, Fredericks that. I think defensively he's a bit raw and uh, he can... He can certainly uh, be a ri- bit rash with his, his passing, but he is pacey. There's no doubt about that. And in the Premier League, uh, that makes up for a lot of things. And um, so I, I'm OK with uh, Christy. I think he, he will do fine for us. And if not, we now have other players who can play there who maybe are a bit more defensively minded in, in particular games. Absolutely, mate. Very good point. All right. Let's go to a question from Yavor Alexiev. What if Mitro gets injured? 
all these bad vibes. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, we touched on it earlier, didn't we? You know, there isn't another striker in the team like him. He is key um, to, to certainly the way we play. You know, he's that central hub that everyone plays off of. And, and he's a, a, a very skillful as well. But, uh, yeah, it will be tough. But as I said earlier, you know, we've got six or seven players who can all play in that central role. And we would just have to change the way we uh, slightly change the way right. we play. But um, don't want to wish that on anyone. And I think he's going to be a big player for us this season anyway. I- I totally agree, Mike. I, I actually think it's being underplayed how big um, Mitrovic coming back to form is. I, I Again, I think that he's going to be able to adapt very well to the Premier League. He's already been there, and I think in the system, I think he's going to flourish. That's why I think he's going to be a huge success. That's my prediction. I, I could be wrong on this, but I just see him doing very well in the Premier League. We'll see if I'm right or not. All right, let's now move on to Christopher Phillips. Is the balance of the squad good enough for the rigors of the Premier League? What's happened to the deals for Collis and PAs on, Mike? So is the balance good enough? Well, as we've said, we're a little bit short in the uh, left back. Um, and, you know, going back to Mitrovic and that kind of striker role, we've maybe got too many sort of winger, nippy players and maybe one more bigger guy if one of them left um, as a backup. But... Yeah, I think the balance is fine. I, I, you know, if you if you do actually sit down and write the squad out, um, then you know we almost have two players for each position or players who can fill in. Um, so I think I think we're there almost ninety percent there. So, and with deals with Callis and Piazon, I think it's the it's what I said earlier. You know, we've gone up a level. You know, Norwood, yeah. I would love to have seen him come back, but. Is he, would he get a game now? He wasn't getting the game second half of last season. So. Um, although he will always have a place in my heart for that uh, defensive block in the, fi- in the oh, playoff fantastic. final. But, um, you know, and I hope he goes somewhere where he gets a lot of games because he's, he's a decent player. But Callis yeah. and Piazon, I'm surprised we never went back for Callis, I have to be honest. But um, I know some will say, well, Adoe kept him out. But that's because Adoe had the shirt. You know, there was an injury, yep. got in the team. But arguably, Callis is still the better of the two players. Um, but again, you know, we've now gone to, you know, two young English defenders. Um, yeah, where does Callis fit, even if he comes in? Yeah. You know, so to, uh, who knows? Maybe a last minute and go back for one of them. But, uh, you know, maybe it's just time to move on. There was a reason they were yep. on loan who are in the, in the championship. Okay, excellent there, Mike. All right, Stephen Watson, this is an interesting one, one that I'm thinking about. Any insight to Jokanovic renewing his contract, waiting till the end of the window? Honestly, Mike, this is something that I'm a little bit concerned about. We are getting through summer now, and um, we've seen speculation that maybe he would be signing a new deal. Nothing's been done. Same thing with, with uh, Sessignon. I heard rumblings that uh, possibly Fulham were going to the get a contract extension for Session. Nothing's happened there either. But we're talking about Jokanovic. What are your thoughts about all this? Yeah, I'm not worried about that at the moment. I mean, he's getting what he, he wants, you know, top quality players. Um, you know, he's busy getting the team ready. I'm, I'm not concerned until, you know, after the window. Let's, let's get, you know, even if it's on Monday or in two, two weeks' time, 
Um, if we reached maybe the end of September and he hadn't signed something, I'd be a bit concerned. But uh, at the moment, not not worried about that at the moment. So okay. uh, come back in September and ask me. <laughs> <laughs> All right there, Mike. All right. Let's now get a question here from Ian Fenton. And this is something that we've already talked about, but I want your thoughts on this because it's interesting, just, just the dynamic of this. Mike, this is from Ian. Why do we still not have a new left back? Now, my theory is that they're just trying like crazy to get target back and they're going to wait to the last minute and then they might be forced to go to option B or C. I think this has everything to do with target. And uh, unfortunately we have not been able to get him back. Is, is that your view or do you have a different view why we don't have a left back yet? No, I think you've probably summed it up there. You know, we, if you believe what you read, we keep going back for target, you know, started with a bit of eight and it's moved up and now potentially 14. And I, I think maybe it's a game of bluff, you know. I mean, he's he's played some pre-season games for them, but right back, so, uh, and, and did quite well last week looking at the uh, the footage. So, you know, I think if you dangle some decent money tomorrow afternoon at Southampton, there's a good chance he could still join. Um, so. But also... You know, we've got, we bought Martians who can play at left back. And, and uh, you know, you've got to look at, um, as much as it pains people to look at it, but Sessionon can play at left back. And you and we have a lot of options up front. So I'm not saying it's ideal, but, um, you know, there are, re- there are reasons we haven't gone out and panicked and, and just bought any old left back. So I think Target is, is still the, the main man for them, but uh, I'm sure we're going to get someone in. Um, I agree, in the next, Mike. Uh, 24 hours or so. Yeah, if it's not Target, I, I do expect uh, Fulham to bring in a left back. And uh, I'm glad that you keep talking about Lou Marchand. I think he gets uh, lost in the shuffle, and he has that versatility. He can play center back. But last season, he played a lot at left back, so he can do it. If they need to, not the ideal situation. You also mentioned Session can do it as well, but I think everyone pretty much is in agreement that we need a left back and hopefully they can get it done before the window shuts. And one last reminder, we are recording this on Wednesday, basically about a full day left. All right, Mike, let's now get a question here for you from Colin Forknop. Here it is. This is one that I think you're going to like here. <laughs> what do you think? has the better attributes, Fabri or Bettinelli, and why? Now, you just had one look at Fabri, but you've had a good look at Bettinelli. Your thoughts? Okay, I think we have to look at why Fabri has joined, and um, that's partly because the the goalkeeping coach who Fulham appointed last summer is a highly rated coach. I I know um, Alison McIntosh made uh, quite a point at the supporters trust AGM how much we are paying him um, you know and he's recommended him and uh, and uh, the way we work is you know scouting stats that kind of stuff um, and he's pulled him in but uh, you know on on first live viewing he's shorter than I expected um, very quick off his line a couple of times he burst out you know that sweeper keeper type thing yep. um, his distribution looks good there was a couple of passes he made into the centre of the, the pitch, which um, you probably wouldn't see from Bettinelli, mainly in the first half. Yep. Um, 
I'm not sure about him coming out. You know, I didn't really see enough there, and it could be argued his positioning for the second goal was not good. But then with Bettinelli, uh, you know, certainly verbally, he was a step up from Button, um, and his distribution was better than Button. But, you know, again, we were talking about upgrades. You know, Fabri, to me, looked like his distribution is better than uh, than Bet. So uh, I liken it to, although you wouldn't know us, but I liken it to when we went up under Tigenar, where we had Mike Taylor in goal. Um, and then we went and bought Van der Sar. Now, I'm not saying Fabri's Van der Sar, but, um, you know, we spent seven and a half million for a keeper then. We've spent five million plus now. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I think we're looking at the number one. But I would also argue, and I've, I've mentioned something of like this on Friends of Fulham about Bettinelli, is that pre-season, he seems to get injured very easily. This is That's the point. Since we got relegated, when him and Jean-Ren were, once we let Stockdale go, him and Jean-Ren under McGaff were, were playing the pre-season friendlies. Yeah. And then he got a little bit injured, so Jean-Ren started the season, even, and then Betts was on the bench. Yep. But if you look back, he hasn't started any of the last four years in goal. He will, he's not going to start this weekend. He hasn't played a friendly, I don't think. And he, he's been injured three or four times in, in pre-season. And so he's not given himself a chance at all um, to fight for that number one shirt if he's not going to be available. So I don't know whether he has an underlying injury or, you know, it's just bad luck. He, you know, last season he may well have started the season um, as number one if he hadn't got injured against Wolfsburg. But, you know, is it a coincidence? I'd, I'd be interested to know if anyone... As a, as a theory on that, but um, he's not helping himself by not being fit at the start of the season. That's a good point there, Mike. I wasn't thinking it that way until you mentioned it. Then, of course, I'm going back in history and, and I'm remembering what you're saying as being correct. So uh, I, I don't know why it's that's been the case, but that's a very good point by you. All right. Final question is from Colm Bugler. Here it is. If, God forbid, there was an injury to one of our first-choice players, which one does he think would have the biggest impact on the team? Hope this makes sense. I think he's talking about, I could be wrong, Mike, I'm reading it this way, that which player would have the biggest negative impact? I think that's what he's saying. Is that how yeah. you're reading it? <laughs> yeah, I can see what he's saying. Um, it depends on who you think is going to be key, isn't it? So you could argue it's, if uh, Mitrovic is going to be the big player, you know, and he gets injured, is that going to be the biggest problem we have? Um, yeah. Then you look at Kearney, you know, Siri, those, these kind of guys. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to stick with McDonald. Okay. Oh, I think okay. Mitrovic is important. I think Kearney is important, all of that. But McDonald as a leader in what will be, I know everyone's talking about, oh, you know, we're going to have a great season and hopefully we do, but it's going to be bloody hard. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Whatever way you look at it. Um, I think McDonald's leadership skills on the pitch um, are essential. And uh, a long-term injury to him or any kind of injury to him um, would be a downer for me. So uh, maybe surprisingly, uh, some people will, uh, you know, pick someone else. But uh, no, McDonald, I think he's the key man. You made a very good... uh 
point there, Mike, uh, while you're saying it, I'm thinking about it as well. Uh, whenever he's been out, I, I felt that Fulham have missed him. And uh, they are going to need his leadership this season. There are going to be challenges that we haven't seen in a while that uh, they're going to need true leaders on the pitch. And he's one of them. So that's a very interesting pick by you. All right, my friend. Russ, can I just um, sorry, Russ, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Wembley. That picture of him in the dressing room after the game, pointing his finger. You know, if there's one photo, I, I would blow up. I mean, I've got a couple yeah. that I've taken from the game, but uh, you know, if I could have a big picture of that and and him signing that, that would be great because for me that that spells out. Uh, what he brings to the team. That's post-game. He's telling them to enjoy it. And, you know, uh, and he shows the hard work that it took from everyone to get there. But I think that's a great photo who ever took that. That's great. I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's funny. I was just watching old videos last night on YouTube from the uh, final and uh, interviews. There were two of them from McDonald. And uh, he just comes off, like you said, as uh, a passionate leader. And uh, I understand why you went there mike i'm a you know me i'm a huge fan of kevin mcdonald he was my player of the season two years ago so i definitely understand why you went there all right mike excellent show listen i always say this every time we do this just thank you so much for doing this we get huge amount of listens every time you do it obviously people appreciate your opinion thank you again mike yeah, no problem at all, Russ. Um, hopefully I can do a, a few more uh, pre- and post-match shows this coming year. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting season. And, can't uh, wait. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That reminds me, before I let you go, Mike, I can't let you go without asking you this. You probably thought uh, I wasn't going to ask you this. Give me your season prediction, Mike. 13th. Okay. 13th. Very good there, my friend. And that would be fine for me. You know, I, I would, I, I'd be happy with 13th. So I understand why you went there. Okay. Very good there, my friend. Let's wrap this up. For Mr. Mike Gregg, I am Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.